Ben's temple. First Kings chapter 8, where we find the dedication of Solomon's temple. And I know that uh, it's always exciting to dedicate uh, new things like uh, houses or buildings, uh, babies, dedicate things to God. And this is the dedication of Solomon's temple. Uh, don't forget this coming Friday, Saturday, we're asking as many people as possible to help with some projects uh, around the property here, especially Saturday morning. Uh, and we're going to have some indoor things like uh, once a year we try to vacuum the auditorium chairs really well, uh, dust the chair frames, wash windows inside out, clean baseboards, walls, uh, carpet cleaning, touch-up paint, other stuff like that. And then outside, we're going to have... Uh, it goes uh, from light, you know, tree trimming, weed management, and then bigger stuff like heavy equipment, laying new playground equipment. And by the way, we need a couple of augers. If anybody has an auger, okay, we need a couple of augers. We also need a couple of concrete mixers and uh, maybe a few uh, wheelbarrows and shovels, things like that. But we're going to pray that the Lord will allow us to get a whole lot accomplished in a short time on Saturday. So hope that you can be a part in some way. And if not, pray for everybody who's out there, uh, that everybody will be safe. And I appreciate uh, John Tilford giving of his time. As you drove in today, you may see there's a new set of retaining walls down there so that we can use more of the property to build uh, some extra playground areas and things. And and so appreciate his hard work on that. And he uh, was out there baking in the sun for quite a while. So appreciate that. Well, I want you to think this morning about some things that need maintained. Okay, so that's what we'll be talking about today. Things that need maintained. All right, cars need maintained. Uh, maybe there's somebody in here who forgot that your car needed maintained. Right? You didn't change your oil for like 50,000 miles before. Uh, have any of you ever heard somebody keep telling you, you got to maintain your car, you got to maintain your car, and you just kind of let it go and let it go, and then all of a sudden, uh, your car was found on road dead. Okay? Like literally. I'm not talking about Fords. I'm just talking about your car was dead. All right? So uh, you did not maintain it. There are things that need maintained. Relationships need maintained. Uh, houses need maintained. Uh, I was over, Tyler and Jamie Smith just uh, moved in their house yesterday uh, out past Farmway. It's a really neat uh, house out there. Love the community that they're in. But uh, when you move into a new house, you got to get your maintenance checklist going, right? And uh, I was looking at this recommended checklist for home maintenance, Realize that I've been falling behind, like way behind, right? It says you should monthly check your HVAC filters. You should look for small leaks around your toilets and sinks. Uh, inspect your ground and caulking. Check your kitchen vent hood filter. I guess I had forgotten there was such a thing. Uh, test your smoke and carbon monoxide detectors. Uh, etc., etc. Uh, yearly, you should clean out your clothes dryer exhaust, right? How many do that every year? I, I guess I failed that one. Uh, lubricate your garage door springs. Drain your hot water heater. Look for signs of termites. How do you do that? 
and a clean your septic tank if you have one. Uh, then there are certain things you should do each season of the year, along with things that you should do every two years, five years, and 10 years, and 15 years. So this is like a comprehensive list. I mean, owning a home sounds pretty complex. Uh, now, some things that aren't maintained, uh, they become noticeable more quickly than others, right? Like if you don't maintain a swimming pool, uh, everybody's going to know that it's just a cement pond. I mean, it, it's going to all of a sudden be green. Uh, a yard that's not maintained becomes a pasture, right? It becomes a pile of weeds. Uh, a car that's not maintained becomes a junker. Uh, a marriage that's not maintained gets broken. And, and we've been talking about the cause. The cause is that all the people of the earth might have a relationship with God. And we've seen this cause from the beginning of Genesis through the time in which we live today. We understand that Jesus came to complete the cause. And it was for the cause that David defeated Goliath, that Daniel withstood the lion's den, that Pharaoh continued to receive plagues, that Israel crossed the Red Sea and the Jordan River on dry ground. Uh, it was for the cause that the walls of Jericho fell down. And today we're going to see that it was for the cause that Solomon's temple was built. So 1 Kings chapter 8, and we're going to pick up the passage uh, starting in verse 44, and then we're going to focus on the verses that will come on the screen, verses 59 through 61. So verse 44, uh, there's a bunch of ifs in this passage. So if thy people go out to battle against their enemy whithersoever thou shalt send them, and shall pray unto the Lord toward the city which thou hast chosen, toward the house that I built for thy name. Then hear thou in heaven their prayer and their supplication, and if you underline in your Bible, underline these next three words, maintain their cause. Maintain their cause. Okay? Verse 46 is another if. If they sin against thee, for there's no man that sinneth not. How many of you ladies agree with that statement? Uh, sorry, <laughs> and, and thou be angry with them and deliver them to the enemy, so they carry away captive in the land of the enemy far or near. Yet if they shall bethink themselves in the land whether they were carried captive and repent, make supplication unto thee in the land of them that carry them captives, saying, We've sinned, done perversely, we've committed wickedness, and so return to thee with all their heart, with all their soul in the land of their enemies." which led them away captive, pray thee toward their land, which thou gavest to their fathers, the city which thou hast chosen, the house which I built for their name. Then hear thou their prayer and their supplication into heaven, thy dwelling place, and maintain their cause. There it is again, and I underlined it again. And it, and it continues down through this passage. Now, when Solomon had made an end of this prayer, uh, he arose from before the altar, and he'd been kneeling on his knees and had his hands toward heaven, and he stands and he blesses the congregation, and here's the ending now. Go down to verse number 59. And let these my words, wherewith I have made supplication before the Lord, be nigh unto the Lord our God day and night, that he maintain the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel at all times, as the matter shall require, that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is none else. 
Let your heart, therefore, be perfect with the Lord our God, to walk in His statutes, to keep His commandments as at this day. Now, I don't know how many of you remember your high school English class, right? You remember that? You remember back that far and you had to write essays and you probably had to do a research paper and maybe you had to do a book report. You had to read a classic and write all about what happened in the Count of Monte Cristo or Moby Dick or, or something else, right? And, uh, but you learn grammar too. You guys remember grammar? Remember the, the grammar and you've got uh, commas and periods and paragraphs and infinitives Gerunds, am I going too far out there? Right, gerunds is, is getting way, participles, dangling participles, right? And those are the, the, the worst, the dangling participles. But uh, in grammar, uh, one of the punctuation marks we have is the colon. You guys know the colon? The dot here and the dot there, the colon. All right, now there are reasons why we use the colon. And, it, and it's not the colon like your large intestine, it's like the grammar, the colon. And, it, and you would have to say, and grammar's changed even since I went to school, and now you don't have to do two spaces after a period anymore. Who knew this, right? Who knew that now you don't have to put two spaces after a colon, you only have to do one space? And it, but the colon, they would say, the following things are good after dinner, colon, right? Uh, apple pie, comma, ice cream, comma, and coffee, right? So you'd put, it, uh, you'd put a colon to introduce a list or a series. But there was also another place that you would put a colon, and it was at the, uh, to introduce a quote or to introduce a premise or to introduce an idea. So you would say, Benjamin Franklin made the following statement, colon, right? He made lots of statements. Uh, or you would say, uh, the idea that I want you to understand uh, is as follows, and you'd put a colon. Okay, now I want everybody to look at this. Back at the end of verse number 59, do you see the punctuation mark? Okay, anybody know what that is? That's a colon. Uh, he had just asked God three times to maintain the cause in the passage and now there's a colon. The colon means that we are about to find out what the cause is. So verse 60 is God's cause. Look at it. That all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is none else. So God has given us His cause. Now, we already know this is true because we've seen that almost exact same statement throughout the pages of the Old Testament. And now as Solomon comes to dedicate the temple, he says, maintain their cause, maintain their cause, maintain the cause. What is the cause? That all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is none else. Okay, so we've established, hopefully, we, we all are on the same page, that that is God's cause. Now, as we go through this passage today, we're going to see uh, how God wants us to use His cause. And let's start with remembering the why. Remembering the why. Okay, God didn't bless Israel with the temple so that they would keep it hidden. 
right? They, they weren't building a secret temple. They didn't build the temple so that nobody would find out. Uh, they built the temple, and God's intention was that all the people of the earth would know his name and fear him. Now, anytime we cast vision, whether it's uh, regarding God's kingdom or it's uh, regarding a special project or it's uh, regarding a new business setup or it's a corporate vision, there are always three important parts to, to consider. There's uh, always the what, the why, and the how. Okay, what are we going to do? Why are we going to do it? How are we going to do it? Right? So, uh, for instance, uh, the Centennial, we're the Serve Church, Centennial Baptist Church, the Serve Church. What do we do? Serve God by serving others. Why do we do it? Because that's what pleases God. Okay, how do we do it? And then it lays out the ministries. We worship God, right? We, we have ministry. We have discipleship. Uh, we follow God in, in these various areas of our life. So, so what's the cause? We just read it as laid out in the Word of God, uh, that all the people of the earth might know that the Lord is God and that there's none else. But why does God want all the people of the earth to know and fear Him? Okay, why does He want that? Because of His love and for His glory. God wants every person on the earth to be in relationship with Him. It's His love for His pleasure. We are and were created. For His glory, we live and move and have our beings. And we need to remember the why, okay? And think about why did God create you? That'll bring you back to a place of purpose. If you are getting discouraged and you say, you know what, nothing's going right, and I'm just having a horrible day. Remember, why did God create you? Why did God create you? Uh, yesterday, I had come down and uh, did, did some things in the morning, and then I came down, and I was going to wrap up some things for the sermon, and I was in my office, and I got a text uh, from our maintenance guy, and he said, the cleaning crew says that uh, the, the drinking fountain overflowed, and uh, that there's water everywhere. So I thought, well, it can't be that big of a deal. It's a drinking fountain. I mean, what could a drinking fountain do? So I go over to the other building, and I walk in to Lake Centennial. Um, I, how in the world could a drinking fountain do that? Right? So it's all the way down the hall. It's in two new rooms that we just did construction on, just finished them. And the gym floor that we just finished, the cafeteria floor, it's more than half covered with about that much water on the brand new epoxy. And so I walk in, I'm like, what in the world? What are we going to do? So at first I got a mop out. <laughs> it's laughable, really. If you had been there, you would have laughed when I got the mop out. So I start trying to spread the water in the gym. Like, this isn't working. So I, I got the big carpet machine out and sucked up and sucked up and sucked up and I like kept dumping it. And probably 10, 12 times I dumped the, the big tub on it. And, it. and all this time I was thinking, I got to get over there and get back to work. And I keep doing it, keep doing it. And, uh, and then <clears throat> it kind of hit me that the whole message for the, for the morning is about God's purpose. And I, th I thought, I wonder why God would want me to be doing this right now. Maybe he's got something he's wanting me to think about or something he's wanting me to consider. And so I go home and I 
sit down and tell my wife and kids, you know, what happened, and they're, oh, Dad, we're so sorry, and they pat you on the back, and, um, you know, life is so hard, and, and, and so we, we're trying to put all this into perspective, and uh, we've got to remember the why. Why did God do such things? Why did God create us? Why did God design us? Why did God establish families and nations? Have you ever noticed that times of crisis in your family are usually the time when you're brought closest together? Do you ever know that times where things don't go well are the times when God brings His purpose to light in your life? Right? It's not usually when you're going through this great experience where you find God's purpose. You usually find God's purpose in the woe is me category. Right? Woe is me. That's when Isaiah found God's purpose. Woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And that's when God gave him what he's supposed to do. And we understand God's cause when we get the why. Why, why, why? And the answer is always the same. Colossians 1, that in all things, he might have the preeminence. All things were created by him and for him. Why was the temple built? To glorify God. What was the cause? That all the people of the earth might know the Lord is God, but there's none else. How does the cause move forward in our age? Through spirit-empowered believers who share the cause with the people around them. Now, I want to back up in the passage to see that God wants His cause to be maintained through every generation, under every condition. Because remember, his cause is the highest priority. It's the what, why, and how that comes above every other thing in our lives. And so let's back up to verse number 44 again, and let's talk about how God wants his cause to be maintained through conflicts and confrontations. Through conflicts and confrontations. He said, if my people go out to battle against their enemy. Right? And that, that if, we know that it was going to come to be a win because God's people were going to constantly have enemies. Now, you go back in world history and you find that the Jewish people have constantly faced conflict, that they could frequently be distracted by attacks from these regional enemies. And it's during these seasons of conflict and confrontation that the cause can sometimes be ignored. God may require renewal of the cause. I'll give you an example. Uh, about 400 years after Solomon dedicated the temple. So the temple is dedicated in uh, 1004 B.C. And in 607 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar comes from Babylon, ransacks Jerusalem, uh, leaves the city walls and the temple in ruins. And for 70 years, Jerusalem is abandoned. There's very few people in the city. Dogs run through the streets and lions and beasts. And, and then a miraculous thing happened. In 536 B.C., Cyrus the Great, king of Persia, made a decree that all the Jews who wanted to could leave Persia and return to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple of God. It's a miraculous story. 
And God prophesied it would happen 150 years before Cyrus was born. Oh, and by the way, he named Cyrus in the prophecy that Isaiah gave in Isaiah 44 and 45. It's unbelievable. Jeremiah also prophesied it would happen and gave the exact year when it would happen. And, and so anyway, if you like prophecy, you should read up on that. It's really cool. Uh, but 42,360 Jews decided to go back to Jerusalem. And God lets us know that 7,337 servants and maids accompanied them. It's in the book of Ezra. So they make it to Jerusalem. They kept the Feast of the Tabernacles. They laid the foundation of the temple. They're singing and praising and weeping. And then it says that the adversaries of God did not like it. They didn't like it. They came in and said, uh, first they had a strategy. They said, hey, let us help you build, right? Have you ever had your seven-year-old ask to help you make dinner, right? Ask to help you build a wall, ask to help you wash the car. How many understand that when the seven-year-old comes to help you do something, the job just got a lot harder, right? Now, you should do it because you're a good dad or mom, but, but it just got harder. And the enemies of God, you know what they want to do? They want to sabotage the work. They said, hey, let us help you. We'd be willing to help you out. And, and then they mess everything up. And, and so the Jews declined. They said, you don't have any part of this. We're Jews. This is our temple to our God. Well, then the adversaries, this is the quote. This is from Ezra 4. Listen to this. Ezra 4. The adversaries weakened the hands of the people and troubled them in building and hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose. Did you catch that? They hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose. Now listen to this. For 14 years, nothing happened. So 50,000 people came from Persia to rebuild the temple, and for 14 years, all there was was foundation stones sitting out there, and everybody left and went to make their own houses and plant their own vineyards and plant their own gardens, and the cause was left unattended. The cause was set on the back burner because of conflict, because of enemies, and it took two leather-lunged prophets named Haggai and Zechariah yelling at the people to get them to return to the work. If you ever read the book of Haggai, or Haggai, Zechariah, Haggai, read the book of Haggai, he let them have it. He said, is it time for you to go build your own houses and make your own ceilings and plant your own vineyards when the house of God lies in waste? Get back to work. And uh, it... It was a big deal to get them to return to the work. Now, for most people, it doesn't take a whole lot to knock them off course, right? It doesn't take a whole lot to knock them away from God's cause. Uh, how many even, uh, even when you're doing something and you kind of forget what you were doing, right? Like you're driving down the road and all of a sudden you think, where am I going? I mean, how many of this has ever happened to you before? Like, what, what am I doing here? Some of you just aren't old enough. It's going to happen, okay? It's, it's coming. And you're diving down, and all of a sudden, you park at Walmart, and you're like, what am I doing here? I was supposed to go over there. And it's like your, your car is a cow headed to the barn. 
Now, you get in these routines, and sometimes you get knocked off course, and it can be one little conflict that hurts us. Bitterness can creep in. Worry can creep in. And there are people of every generation that allow conflicts and confrontations to push them away from God's cause. And we're not talking about major conflicts. It could be that somebody didn't like the way they did a certain thing. Somebody complained. I read a stat the other day. It said the, the average pastor who leaves the church leaves the church because there were six people who criticized something he did. Six people. Right? Can you imagine this? The average pastor leaves the church because six people criticized something he did. Now, I tell you, I've been over that territory a long, long time ago, right? We're in the hundreds by now. Uh, and uh, you just got to stick the cause through. You got to keep doing what God wants you to do. Because here's, here's what we know about all pastors. They're all human, right? They all have feet of clay. They all make mistakes. They all say stupid things. They all do stupid things. And sometimes we rightly deserve to be criticized, it's okay to be criticized sometimes. Take in the criticism and learn from it instead of allowing it to knock you off course. And we view conflict differently than they did in ancient Israel. We view conflict differently than our grandparents did, right? They viewed conflict as World War II, right? We, we view conflict differently than our parents did because we're in a generation now that even if we don't have real conflict, we might invent one and get into a fight with Christopher Columbus, who's been dead for 500 years, right? Or, or set up camp against Robert E. Lee, who died in 1870. And as Christians, we might let a conflict with the culture keep us from the cause. We just walk around talking, oh, the culture's changing, things are horrible, society's bad. Have you seen what's going on here? Have seen what's going on there? while the cause just gets set aside because it's just too hard. And so Solomon says, God, if your people go out to battle and they pray toward this place here in heaven and maintain their cause, and we should pray every day that God will help us to maintain the cause uh, because he has a cause for our lives. And there are an infinite number of distractions and conflicts and confrontations but also, God wants us to maintain the cause through circumstances, external and internal. All right, third part of the message. Through circumstances, external and internal. Go back to verse 35, see what some of these are. Uh, when heaven is shut up and there's no rain, okay, uh, God says uh, it could be because of your sin. Uh, if the land, verse 37, has a famine, if there's pestilence, blasting, mildew, locust, caterpillar, enemy besiege you, there's a plague, whatever sickness there is. And, and if you look at this passage, you see some of the external circumstances, the things that we have no control over, famine, drought, epidemic, war, natural disaster, situations uh, that we really can't manage or control without God's help. And external circumstances could push the cause out of you. But you know, there were internal circumstances that could as well. Look down to verse number 46. 
if they sin against thee. For there's no man that sinneth not, and thou be angry with them, and deliver them to the enemy. By the way, if you are serving a God who doesn't get angry, God would never do that. He's such a nice God, and He's such a loving God. You should probably read the Old Testament a few more times, right? Specifically, you should probably read uh, 1 Kings chapter 8 a few more times, because when you oppose what God does, His righteous anger comes into play, and I guarantee you, you lose. When God's righteous anger comes out, it's no good for anybody, God said, listen, if they sin, I'll deliver them to the enemy and let them be carried away captive. And if they're in another land and they pray to me, I'll hear in heaven and maintain their cause. This happened repeatedly in the Old Testament. Uh, Moses and Joshua died. Israel went through hundreds of years of a cycle where the cause was abandoned time and again instead of maintained. Israel would sin. God would allow them to go in bondage to their enemies. Sometimes it would take decades for them to cry out for God's help. He would deliver them through a judge. And then when the judge died, the nation would return to sin and bondage again. And the cause rode a roller coaster for centuries. It may seem like God's purpose in your life has been riding a roller coaster. You're for God's cause, and then you're out of God's cause. And then you're for God's cause, and you're out of God's cause. It could be external circumstances. It could be internal sins. But something keeps pushing you away from living out true discipleship. Just when you get in the groove, there's another thing to knock you out. Just when you've gotten a victory over a bad habit or a debilitating sin, you're back in the bondage to it. And I want you to notice again the wording in verse 48. This is so crucial. It says, And so return unto thee with all their heart and with all their soul. So he prayed, God, maintain the cause in our lives. We pray it with all our heart and soul. Don't let anything keep us from following you. Not sickness, not situations, not relationship problems, not hypocrisy in others. I can't tell you the number of times where I've talked to people and say, Hey, where do you guys go to church? Uh, you guys attend the church anywhere? Oh, we don't go to church anymore. Too many hypocrites down there. Right? I've heard that so many times. Like, oh, you, you guys don't have any hypocrisy here at your house, huh? Right? You guys have never had that happen here. It's only the hypocrites down at the church. Right? But hypocrisy in others can knock you off course. And it, Solomon said, God, keep us on the path. Aren't you glad we serve a God who's never affected by circumstances? Right? He's never affected by circumstances. Jesus stood up in the boat in the middle of the storm, and the waves are going everywhere. And he's like, this is cool. And it's time to like, Lord, save us. We perish. He's like, oh, you guys are worried about the storm? Storm, knock it off. Peace. And all of a sudden, the storm stops. God's never been affected by circumstances. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's never been a disaster or pandemic that has ever taken God by surprise or changed His character. That's why we could ask the question, as Paul did, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? 
Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or peril or nakedness or sword? Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's love goes beyond our comprehension. And that's why God's cause has to be, number four, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Look again at the passage in 1 Kings 8, and I want you to notice a phrase at the end of verse 59. So we've, we've seen this now three times in the past. Maintain the cause, maintain the cause, maintain the cause. Look at the end of verse 59. As the matter shall require. As the matter shall require. The management of God's cause must be maintained as the matter shall require, whatever it takes. Now look, the gospel has been committed to our trust. Uh, the focus on eternity constantly needs refreshed. And if we don't keep hitting refresh, we lose sight of the cause. We get wrapped up in the emergencies of this life and the cares of this world. We begin to set our affections on the things of earth. We buy in the false urgencies that have, uh, have nothing to do with maintaining the cause that God has given us. And a lot of our life is spent on false urgencies that maintain a temporal physical cause, but not an eternal spiritual cause that God wants us to have. The things that we make urgent a lot of times are not really urgent at all in God's economy. And so Solomon prayed, God, as the matter shall require, whatever it takes, maintain the cause. Maintain the cause. So this passage is, is so clear because this is a prayer. And Solomon's praying, God, you maintain the cause, you maintain the cause, you maintain the cause, here's the cause. Remember this, this is the faith challenge today. Only God is able to maintain the cause that he's given to his children. It's God's responsibility to maintain the cause. He's got the capability to keep it as the main focus when we don't. He's got the power to enable us in the cause. So that's God's responsibility to maintain the cause. What's our responsibility? Check out verse 61. Let your heart, therefore, be perfect with the Lord our God, to walk in His statutes and to keep His commandments as at this day. See that word, therefore? See that word, therefore? Wonder what that's there for. Oh, here's the meaning. Because of the cause. Okay, therefore. Because of the cause, let your heart be perfect with the Lord our God. Now, this perfect doesn't mean that you're sinless. This perfect means that you're single-minded, that you're wholehearted in desiring what God desires. You want what God wants. But what does God want? He wants His cause to be completed. It will be completed. We get to be a part. <clears throat> There's a passage in... Second Chronicles that convicts my heart every time I read it. Uh, it's in chapter 16 of Second Chronicles, and here's the backstory. 
uh, King Asa had fully relied on God uh, when the Ethiopians showed up with a million-man army. And if you're in Second Chronicles, uh, and I'm gonna, I think I'm going to go there too. Second Chronicles, I want you to go back to chapter 14. Now, the, Ethiop- the Ethiopians show up, million-man army, <clears throat> and I want you to notice what Asa prayed. Second Chronicles 14, 11. Asa cried to the Lord as God said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on thee, and in thy name we go against this multitude. O Lord, thou art our God, let no man prevail against thee. So that was his prayer when a million-man army showed up. But about 10 years later, another enemy had appeared, and instead of relying on God like he had done before, King Asa hired the king of Syria to protect him with money taken from God's temple. He sold the vessels out of God's temple to pay off the king of Syria to come and protect him. And so God sent Hanani, who was a prophet, to give him a message. And this is the part that always convicts me. And you can look at it, 2 Chronicles 16, verse number 9. 2 Chronicles 16, verse number 9. Look what it says. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly, therefore from henceforth thou shalt have wars. Asa had lost his wholehearted unity with God. Uh, Let it sink in for a minute what the prophet told him. He said, the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout the earth. God is looking to show himself strong. He just needs people whose heart is perfect toward him. That's all he needs. And Asa had allowed his focus to move from the eternal to the earthly. God was doing here as Solomon had prayed, as the matter shall require. God was sending a messenger with some truth for the king. And it's sad what happened with Asa, though. When Hananiah told him the truth, if you see verse number 10, instead of receiving what God said, he threw the prophet in prison. Right? God tries to get him back to the cause. What's he do? He throws the prophet in prison. What do you do when God tries to bring you back to the cause? What do you do when God sends the truth your way? Do you receive the truth or do you rage against the messenger? See, if you're God's child, he'll keep calling you back to the cause. He'll continue to correct you. He'll do whatever it takes to return your heart to Him. God's job is to maintain the cause. Your job is to maintain a heart for God. My job is to maintain a heart for God. So how's your heart this morning? Do you want what God wants? Or has your focus shifted? Right? We could begin to want things that are different than what God wants. It can happen to anyone. In fact, did you know that it did happen to the same guy who prayed the incredible prayer we studied today? 
That's right, it happened to Solomon. Solomon, who prayed the temple dedication prayer and said, God, maintain the cause, maintain the cause, maintain the cause. Here's the quote from 1 Kings 11. When Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God. His heart was no longer at one with God. He didn't want what God wanted anymore. And look, if it can happen to Asa, if it can happen to Solomon, it can happen to me. It can happen to you. Rest assured, there are all sorts of things fighting for attention in your heart. And that's why God calls His people again and again, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. We have to keep our hearts with all diligence so that the cause, God's cause, can be maintained in you. It's God's job to maintain the cause. It's your job to keep a perfect heart toward God. And it's not easy to do. It takes daily work. Now, I believe that a daily devotional time is God's way to bring us back into the center of the path that is His cause. And if we don't have that going on in our life, we're not being brought back to the cause. And we're starting to live our life based on the things of this earth and based on what we feel and what we want and what's important right now. And we succumb to the cause of urgency in earthly things instead of the eternal cause that God has called us to. And so there's a message for us here. Uh, Solomon prayed it, and it was so true. Maintain the cost, maintain the cost, maintain the cost. How? Through a perfect heart with God. Through a heart at one with the Creator. Let's pray. God, would you make our hearts today to be at one with you? We know that every single one of us, we lose sight of the cause from time to time. We need it to be maintained. We need you to do a work in us. We need you to correct us and call us back to the center of your will. And I pray that you would make our hearts pliable to that call. Make our hearts pliable to the truth so that we might live our lives for your cause. And I pray that as we go from this place, that we would keep the cause of God at the forefront of everything we do in our lives this week. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, everybody.